today we're kicking off this series with this thought. Matter of fact, today there's, it's, this is part one. Next week is part two. Part one today. And my title is The End is Near. The End is Near. Many people have different questions, different thoughts, different opinions about the afterlife. Some believe that there is no afterlife. There is no life after death. Some believe in reincarnation, that when you die, you're going to come back as a grasshopper. And if you believe that I killed one of your relatives last night and uh, believe you're going to come back as a, a, a cat or as a mouse, if I come back as someone, I'm coming back as a pit bull, what's up? Yeah. Some believe in purgatory, that there's a holding place after death and for people to give their life to Jesus. Some believe in ghosts, that you come back as a ghost. And I have to declare, I ain't afraid of no ghost. And the list just goes on and on and on on what people believe about the afterlife. And this is one of the most debated and talked about subjects, not only in the church, but also in the non-church world. I mean, there are movies out about this. There are lots of books out about this. This is a very popular, debated topic in our world today. Even Christians don't agree on what the Bible says about the end times and the afterlife. Matter of fact, if we want to be honest, Christians can't even agree on when Jesus is going to come back, let alone all the events that take place after his return. Matter of fact, there are some Christians that believe in pre-trib, a pre-tribulation uh, rapture. And, and, and some of you are going, what are you talking about, Pastor? I'm new to church, new to God. I'm checking out the tires. What do you mean tribulation? Well, I'm not diving in the, into that today, but the Bible talks about this tribulation period in the book of, of Revelations. And there are Christians that would believe that Jesus is going to come back before this tribulation and to take his church to be with him. And then there are other Christians that believe in a mid-tribulation rapture. They believe that in the middle of the tribulation that Jesus is going to come back and remove his bride from the earth and then there'll be the rest of the tribulation period. There are other Christians who believe in a post-tribulation rapture. After the tribulation period, Jesus is going to take his bride to be with him. And the Christians can even agree on when Jesus is going to come back. And you say, Pastor, what do you believe in? I believe in in pan tribulation. I believe it's going to all pan out in the end. Amen. There you have it. I'm deep like that. It's going to all work out. Just believe in Jesus. Praise the Lord. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to pan out. It's going to all work out. I don't care what you believe, honestly. It's cool with me. Base it on the Bible. Believe it. Go ahead with your bad self. Praise the Lord. Because here's what I know. I want to say this right up front. I don't know everything there is to know about the end times nor do I pretend to. I don't know everything about the afterlife, nor do I pretend to, and neither do you. And if you think you do, use a fool, amen. <laughs> with this subject, we need to approach this topic with great humility, with humble hearts, 
because there are things we will just understand better by and by. And throughout this series, we're going to look at some of the things the Bible has to say about the afterlife. I believe God is going to help us. I believe God is going to speak to us. I believe God's going to inspire us. I believe God's going to reveal things to us. I believe God's going to encourage us through this series, The Afterlife. And I want to begin as I set up today's message, part one, part two next week. As I set this message up, the foundational thing that I want us to understand is that the Bible teaches that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And time as we now know it will, will cease. It will end. When Jesus comes back, here's the, here's the gospel. If you're new to church, you're new to God, you're new to Christianity, you don't even really believe it and you're like you're here and you're trying to figure out what is this dude talking about. Here's the gospel message. We've all sinned, and Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born and put on flesh like you and I. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross, and on the cross, he shed his blood for our sins. And not only did he die, but three days later, he got up with all power in his hands. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He ascended to be at the right hand of the Father, and the Son of God today is seated at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible declares that one day, Jesus is coming back for his church and Life as we know it here on earth will cease. It will not continue as we now know it. The end is near. And we will step into what is called the afterlife. Life for some, for those who are dead, that they'll have a, another life. This afterlife for those who are alive, they will begin to step into this thing called the afterlife or the life after death or eternity. And so that's a clear, clear teaching in the scriptures. Jesus is coming back. And you say, when will this happen, Pastor? When will Jesus return? When will time as we now know it cease? Well, Jesus tells us. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36. But about that day, and he's talking about when he's going to come back, or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. No one knows the specific day or hour when Jesus is coming except for God the Father. Now, there are people who have tried to predict when Jesus is coming. Some of you may think you know when Jesus is coming. And if you think you know and you say, Pastor, I know he's coming on November the 10th at 2 o'clock. Cuckoo. (laughs) Cuckoo. Because the Bible says, listen, no one knows. No one knows the day nor the hour. But, but, but God does give us signs that will be happening in our world to let us know that the end is near. And I want us to look at this because the Scripture just shows us these, these signs that we can know that the end is near. And here it goes in Matthew chapter 24 and verse number 3. It says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign? Come on, everybody shout both locations joining us online around the world. Everybody shout the sign. I need to catch this. The disciples say, what will be the sign of your coming? You're coming back again. And the end, notice this, the end of the age. Things won't continue like they are right now. Things are going to wrap up and we'll step into uh, a new age, uh, uh, this afterlife, this eternity. When will this happen? What's the sign? 
And Jesus answered in verse 4. And now we're going to look at the signs Jesus give us, gives us to know that we can know that the end is, is near. We can't know the day or the hour, but we can know the season is upon us. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. And it's obvious that there's a lot of deception in our world today, even people who say they're following Satan today. There are people who even claim to be the Messiah. There have been people throughout history like a man named Jim Jones that claimed he was the Messiah. People followed him and people lost their lives because this man claimed he was the Messiah. Can I just declare to you today, if you ever go to a church and a person stands up and says, I am the Messiah, run for the hills. And there's a lot of deception going on today. And Jesus said, hey, here, here's, here, this is going to be a sign. You'll see people trying to deceive people. Verse number 6 says this, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. So, thing, so such things must happen, but the end is still to come. He says, here's going to be a sign of, of the, the end is near, that I'm getting ready to come. He says, the sign will be there will be wars and rumors of wars. Since 1945, our world has had only three weeks of peace without a major war or conflict. We've witnessed major wars like the Vietnam War, the Six-Day War of Israel, the Korean War, the Gulf War, the war in Afghanistan. Since 1945, there have been over 250 major conflicts throughout the world. And the majority of the conflicts are, have been a, a civil wars type, type kind of conflicts. And all I'm saying as we study the scripture is we, we are seeing the signs that Jesus talked about. Verse 7 says, nation will rise against nation. We're seeing that in kingdom, uh, kingdom against kingdom. There will be, he says, here's a sign, here's some signs. You'll know, you'll know that, that the end is drawing near when there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And today over 41,000 people will die because of starvation today. That's 28 people every minute. That's more than AIDS, malaria, and tuberculosis combined. Tonight, one out of every eight people will go to bed hungry in our world. Famine. We're seeing the signs. Earthquakes. Over the last 20 years, earthquakes and disasters have increased to four times more than the amount they normally were since the early 1900s. Each year, there are around 20,000 earthquakes worldwide. Since 1970, there have been 70,000 earthquakes worldwide that have reached a magnitude of 5.0 or higher. That's an average of 4.5 major earthquakes a day. In Oklahoma, the OGS located 2,848 earthquakes in 2013. 284 of those earthquakes in 2013 were actually felt by people. In 2014, the OGS has located 2,270 earthquakes right here in our state thus far this year. 430 of those earthquakes have been felt. 
in Oklahoma alone, there have been eight earthquakes between the magnitude of 4.0 to 4.5 in 2014 alone. How many of you have felt one of those earthquakes here this year? Come on. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. How many of you said, oh, Lord, have mercy. Jesus is coming. I mean, <laughs> what is going on? Shazam. You know, huh? Some of y'all were sinning. You started praying, oh, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Something happened. The earth is moving. Lord, forgive me. Uh-huh. And all we're studying from Scripture is we're just seeing the signs. We're seeing the signs. Jesus goes on to say in verse number 8, all these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Jesus says the church will be persecuted. Because of this wonderful nation we live in, that many are not suffering persecution like we're seeing around the world for their faith in Christ. But I want to remind you that today over 100 million Christians in over 65 countries are suffering persecution because of their faith. From A.D. 30 to year 2000, over 70 million people were killed worldwide because of their faith in Jesus Christ. The 20th century saw over 45 million killed. This is nearly two-thirds the amount preceding the 1900s. In 2012, in 2012, it was estimated that 100,000 Christians were killed worldwide because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And all I'm simply pointing out to you is we're seeing the signs. Verse 10, at that time, Jesus tells us, he gives us the signs of the end of the age. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And we see that people who were church-going people turning away and betraying and hating even each, each other. In verse number 11, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many. And he, it's interesting that Jesus points this out to us twice. There will be deception. Pastor, I can't believe all of the religions in the world. I can't believe it. What's going on? Jesus, this is just part of the signs. Yes, people will fall into deception and all types of ideologies and views. He goes on to say in verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Jesus says, here's a sign. One of the signs of the end of the age is you'll see an increase in wickedness and the love of many will grow cold. They'll be desensitized towards sin and evil and wickedness. It's just a sign of, of the time. And it doesn't take having a high IQ to realize that there's an increase and wickedness. It doesn't take a high IQ to realize that evil is all around and look at all the murder and all the rape and all the abuse and all the hatred, all the crime, all the drugs, all the evil. There were things that you wouldn't even talk about in 1950 that are now on primetime television. And all I'm pointing out is that, is that the love of most will grow cold. And they'll grow desensitized. And sin and wickedness is just, just normal. It's, just, it's okay. It's just good. 
And that's just a, it's just a sign of, of the time. Verse 13, Jesus goes on to say, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Verse 14, here's, here's a sign. Here's one, of the, here's one of the signs, huge signs that, that the end is near. And here, here's what Jesus says, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Jesus says, when you see the gospel of Jesus Christ spreading like wildfire, here's what you can know. The season is upon you. And today, the gospel has been translated into over 580 languages. Hundreds of thousands of missionaries are spreading the gospel around the world. In the U.S. alone, there is a new church being planted every two hours. And we're helping a lot of churches get started through, through our mission efforts here at People's Church. There are 2.18 billion Christians worldwide. Due to technology, the, the increase in technology, God's Word is more accessible than any other time in history. People can Google the Word of God, have it on a smartphone. I mean, through television, we have the Word of God is getting spread everywhere. And all I'm pointing out to you is that we are seeing the signs. You say, Pastor, do you think the end is near? I don't have an opinion. According to Scripture is what I have to believe and what I do believe. And that is, according to Scripture, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus wasn't dropping hints when he said, these are the signs of the end of the age. He wasn't playing games. He wasn't messing with us. He wasn't just trying to drop little sneaky hints here and there. No, Jesus was very clear. And he said, here, here are the signs that the last days are upon us. Here are the signs that I'm coming, and you'll know it's, it's near. Here are the signs that you know that I'm coming, and time as you know it will end. And yes, we are living in the last days and perhaps the last hours of the last days. And the question is this, how should we respond? Pastor, I mean, look at all the signs Jesus pointed out. I see them happening, Pastor. How should we respond if we're living in the last days? Should we go build a bunker? Should I go buck wild? I mean, Jesus is coming. I better get my party on. How should we respond? Should, should I just, Pastor, I've always wanted to get married. I'm, I better get married. If you preach, I better get married tomorrow. Got me a man. I mean, should we, how should we respond? Should we move into the mountains? Hide out? How should we respond? Should we go skydiving? How should we respond? Should we do nothing? So, ah, Jesus is coming. Let's, you don't need to do anything. Don't, 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 don't do anything at all. Here's what I want to do. I want to give you six ways we should respond to the end times. As you know, if you've been here for some time, I preach from the Bible Believe in the word of God and its power. And I want us to look at scripture today. And I want us to look at six ways we should respond to the end times. Number one is this. Be alert. Be alert. Here's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. He says, the end of all things is near. He says, listen, Jesus is coming. It's getting ready to wrap up. He's coming soon. And if Peter thought he was coming soon, how about now today? I mean, Peter thought he's coming in our day. And boy, the signs have only increased. The end of all things is near. He says, therefore, therefore, be alert. 
Be alert. Come on, both locations. Everybody joining me online, everybody say these two words. Wake up. up. Come on, say it one more time. Wake up. That's what he says. Listen, he says the end of all things is near. Here's what you need to do, Christ followers. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Don't go on cruise control in your walk with God. Wake up. Paul says the same thing in Romans chapter 13 and verse number 11. The same context is Jesus is coming. He says, and do this. Understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up, wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Our salvation, Jesus is coming back and it's closer now than ever before. So you should wake up. Don't, don't, don't sleep in your walk with God. Be alert. Be ready for Jesus to return. Wake up, wake up, wake up. If you're a sleeping Christian, wake up. If your faith is in cruise control, wake up. If you're just coasting and you're not pursuing Jesus, you're not seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, wake up is what the scripture tells us. You say, well, pastor, what happens to church people who sleep? What happens if someone isn't ready for Jesus to return? That's what we're going to address next week. What happens when Christians, or should I say, church people, oh, pastor, in time, <laughs> part two, next week. Six ways we should respond to the end times. Number one, be alert. Number two, be holy. Be holy. Here's what the scripture says in Romans chapter 13 and verse number 12. Same context. Jesus is coming. He says the night is nearly over. Time as we know it is going to wrap up. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Jesus is coming. He's coming. It's almost here. He says, so, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissensions and jealousy. He says this, Jesus is coming. He's coming. It's the end time. He says, be holy. Honor God with your life. Honor God with your lifestyle. Honor God with your words. Honor God with your actions. Honor God with the sincerity of your heart. Honor God. Second Peter chapter 3, he, he bears out the same thing in verse number 10. He says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. No one knows the day or nor the hour. Like a thief in the night, Jesus is going to come. He says the heavens will disappear. Life as we know it will not be the same. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what's our response? How should we respond? He goes on to say, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live a live holy and godly lives. You ought to honor Jesus. In other words, Pastor, how should I respond to the end times? Should I go live buck wild? I better have a good time. Jesus is coming. No, 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 no. This is the time to live holy. This is the time to honor God with your life. This is the time to say, Jesus, have my entire heart. You say, Pastor, how do I live holy in an unholy world? How do I do this? That leads me to point three. Number three is this. Be praying. Be praying. If you want to be holy, you better be praying. 
And one of the ways we should respond to the end times is to be praying. Matter of fact, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray, so that you may pray. He says, be alert, wake up and, and pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for your family. Pray for your church. Pray for your job. Pray for your city. Pray for your state. Pray for your nation. Pray for the world. Pray for people to give their life to Jesus Christ. Pray, pray, pray. Can I ask you in these last days, is your prayer life decreasing or is your prayer life increasing? How's your prayer life? How's your time with Jesus? Pastor, I'm busy. I don't have time. He says, it's the last days. He says, be alert of sober mind and pray, 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 pray. Draw close to God. Pray. God answers prayer. Pray so that you may pray. Six ways to respond to the end times. Be alert. Be holy. Be praying. Number four, be loving. Be loving. Now, just in case you have forgotten what I just read to you. Let me bring you up to speed before I get to verse 8. Verse 7 says, the end of all things is near in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, therefore pray. He says, watch out, be alert, and pray, pray, pray. And then he goes on to say this in verse 8. The context is the end of all things is near. How should we respond? Be alert, pray. And he goes on to say verse 8, above all, above all, love each other deeply. Above all, love each other deeply. How should we respond to the end of times? Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And I know this is a word for somebody right now. This is a word. How should I respond, pastor, in the last days? Be loving. Would you forgive that person? Would you quit holding the grudge? Would you let it go? Would you quit trying to get even and trying to retaliate? Be loving. Love covers a multitude of sins. I know you don't like them and they did you wrong. Be loving. Quit having an attitude and popping your neck and rolling your eyes, being a jerk. Be loving. Come on, Jesus is going to come back while you popping your neck. <laughs> you. I mean, be, be loving. Stop gossiping and tearing down people. Be loving. He says, above all, you want to know how you respond to the end times, the end of all things is near. Be loving. Love each other deeply. He goes on to tell us how do we love each other, how do we love each other. Love covers over a multitude of sins. Man, let it go. Forgive. Let it go. Quit trying to retaliate. Verse number nine, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. He says, be kind. Be giving. Be gracious. Be generous. Offer hospitality to others. Come on, do it without grumbling. Do it without complaining. Be kind. Be giving. Be gracious. Be, be generous. Offer hospitality. Be loving. He goes on to tell us how do, we, how do we love? How do we love? How do we love? Verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We should be loving others by using our gifts and serving them. Saved people serve people. Saved people serve people.
people. We serve in the local church. We serve in the community. We serve in the world. We serve people. We serve saved people, serve people. I'm pumped up about the Northwest location, the meeting tonight. Many of you understand this, and you're, you're going, and you're making a difference. You're going to go lost at new location. Many of you are backfilling the areas here at Oklahoma City and Midwest City to serve, to make a difference. Save people, serve people. How should we respond? We love, we love, we love each other deeply. Six ways we should respond to the end times. Be alert, be holy, be praying, be loving. Number five, be in church. I knew that preacher was going to say that. I'm just teaching you what the Word says. I'm just teaching you what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How many of you have enough people in your life that spur you to do the wrong thing? I mean, you know what I'm saying? That will spur you and encourage you to do the wrong things. But the Bible says we need to be in an environment, in an atmosphere where people spur us toward love and good deeds. How does this happen? Verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. They give up the habit of meeting together. They come to church once a month or once every three months or maybe at Christmas time or Easter. You know, it's just not a problem. Or, Pastor, I'm busy. I'm working. Life's busy. He says, no, 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 no. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And he's talking about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, man, when you see the signs, don't you run from God's house. Run to God's house. Don't you run from God's people. You run to God's people. Get in the house. Get in a small group. Get the first step. Get the next step. Come on, find your community. Find you some believers that will spur you on to love and good deeds. He says the day is approaching. Get to the house. How's your relationship with the Lord and your church attendance and small group? Just evaluate. And just listen. One of the keys how we should respond to the end times is be in God's house. Be with God's people. Number six is this. A sixth way we should respond to the end times is be expecting. Be expecting. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12 says, as you look forward, notice this, it's, it's expecting. As you look forward to the day of God, and speed is coming, talking about the return of the Lord. As we look forward to the day of God and speed is coming, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward Looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, Christ follower, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be fearful of what I'm preaching today. It should fill our hearts full, hearts full of hope. We should be looking forward to Jesus coming and spending eternity in his presence. Listen today. We should be looking forward. Jesus is coming. It's drawing near. I'm looking forward. It could be today. It could be tonight. It could be tomorrow. I'm looking forward. I see the signs, and I'm looking for. I'm not fearful. I'm going to live my life to please Jesus. I'm going to be alert. I'm going to be praying. I'm going to be loving. I'm going I'm to honor Jesus. But I'm this is exciting news. We're going to spend eternity in his presence.
And if you're here today, you're at Midwest City online today, and you haven't given Jesus Christ your heart. You hear what I'm saying today, and you're like, I don't even believe you. I don't even, ah, I don't, Jesus, Christianity, and Jesus is coming, ah, I don't believe that. Here's what I say to you is, I'm not debating with you or arguing with you. But I'm going to tell you, when I was 17, I was trapped in sin. Full of dysfunction, abused, hurting. Jesus saved my life in a football locker room. And he changed me. I don't have to argue with anybody because I know he changed me. And I know his power. And I know God is real. I know I should be a statistic today. But it changed me. And I will serve Jesus all the days of my life. And I will worship him because he's real. And he's changed my life. And if you'll open your heart up today, I believe the same for you.